to another session, a podcast in the world of the drummer and the Great Mountain. I am your host, Bahman Saram, as always, with the author of The Drummer and the Great Mountain, a guidebook to transforming adult ADD, ADHD, Michael Joseph Ferguson. Good to see you once again, my friend. Good to see you, Bahman. One of the things I mentioned in our introductory show, and, and, and you'll hear me reminding you in our, in our audience, in our family, of hunters and gatherers is we always do this podcast actually coming off of a session off of a coaching session which michael does so we're coming to you in the energy you should be feeling which is part of our goal of this podcast and sharing this world with you is you're you're feeling us coming right off of an exchange of of all these topics and more and so being for terms of a better word, transparent as we can be, what you're hearing on this podcast is true to life for both of us uh, in my role and going through this journey with you. So you're getting it absolutely live and, and transparent and for real. This week, we're going to focus on, um, as part of introducing the vast audience that may be listening to this podcast and may have picked up Michael's book, there's two segments which we want to, segments of the audience, listeners, readers, which is those that feel like they have been dealing with ADD, ADHD for a long time. And we mentioned last time those that may know someone that is dealing with this. So now this week, we're going to dive a little bit more, get into the weeds of, well, is the person I care for, this is something I have known is maybe something that they've been going through, a challenge I've seen in their life, but is it what I think it is? And so today we want to talk a little bit about the hunter-farmer theory. So Michael, tell us in your research, vast research, and in the incredible amount of work you put into coming out with this book, tell us about the hunter-farmer theory. What is it? Start us at hunter-farmer theory 101. (laughs) Well, uh, it was definitely not my theory. It's a theory that was come up uh, by um, Thomas Hartman, and he wrote a book in 1993 called Attention Deficit Disorder, A Different Perception. And um, I think I read it in around 98, and uh, I've been, I can't believe it's not become a normalized view of ADD, ADHD. It's such a brilliant, coherent psychological theory for adult ADD. It's, it's a psychological model, meaning that there is, as I'm describing it, science is still like, well, I don't know, is this, is this true? Is this genetically true? Is it not true? Uh, there's evidence on both sides. But as a psychological model, it is extremely helpful in giving a, gr- a, a broader perspective on ADD, the um, cycles that we tend to go through, and um, just finding our way through the day-to-day life in a way that we can manage our life and look at working with the advantages of how we're wired. So the hunter-farmer theory basically states that ADD, ADHD is a result of way back in the day when we were all hunters, because if even though farming goes back a long ways, it only goes back about 10,000 years. Before that, everybody, all human beings were hunter-gatherers. So, which means that all of our ancestors, no matter who you are, wherever you were born, 
all of our ancestors were hunter gatherers. That is, that's just fact. So what the theory states is that the tendencies that we see as ADD, ADHD are actually the results of this deep wiring of being hunters, going back to being hunters. And so here's how it plays out. If you were a hunter back in the day, and again, this is, there's still societies today, there's hunter-gatherer societies, indigenous cultures today that still live this way. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, if you were going on the hunt, you would have to be, if you were going to be a successful hunter, you would have to be distractible. So you'd have to be able to scan the environment and see, you know, where's the game? Where's the prey? So whereas, you know, a child is, you know, diagnosed with ADD for being distracted and things like that, this would have been a great ally in being a good hunter. So you'd have to go, if you went on the hunt, you'd have to be, um, you'd have to be distractible. You'd have to, you'd work in bursts. So you wouldn't work in, it would be a very intense situation where in potentially life-threatening, where you would have to go out, be hyper-focused, distractible, and you would go through this very intense experience. And then if you were successful, you would bring back game to either for yourself or your family and how, depending on how big the game was to the whole tribe, and then you would rest. And so these cycles of hyper-focus, high intensity, and then rest, these would have been successful traits of a hunter. And then, so these traits would then be passed down genetically because if you were a good hunter, you were, you were a good potential mate, and then you would mate, and then you would you would carry that trait on down the line. This is where science is still like, well, is this true? Is this not true? So, but if you think about it, people who are ADD, ADHD, this is exactly the pattern. We have a challenge with focus and long-term consistency. That is anyone that I work with and everyone who, who I've ever heard diagnosed with ADD. If they have a job or something that do, that requires them to do something consistently the same way, day in and day out, they're going to be miserable and they're going to be looking for medication or other ways to compensate for something that's that is not their wiring. It's not how they're wired to be. However, if people who are salesmen, people who are musicians, artists, people who can work in bursts and then and then have break and then work in bursts and break, and, and they found a way to make that work financially, then those are those people that have found the niche. And so this is this is where we need to talk about. Well, how is it then that as we're thinking about um, this hunter hunter farmer theory? How is it that we utilize our traits to the best of our ability for survival in the modern world versus back then? So juxtaposed, so a farmer, the, the farmer end of the hunter-farmer theory, farming came in about 10,000 years ago, and farming survival was completely different. So instead of survival being, I have to go on the hunt, I have to bring back game, it's this really intense experience, and then I come back, it's totally different. Now... Survival depends on you doing something now and being consistent day in and day out. And then at harvest, which would be, you know, six months, a year down the line, then you would reap the harvest and you'd have food and you would be able to then have a store of food that would be, you'd, you'd have more than enough 
for yourself and for the people around you. So survival then is predicated on doing the same thing day in and day out. And distractibility would have been terrible because if you got distracted, everything died. You didn't eat. Your family didn't eat. Nobody. Yes. So it's a completely different world. And so the theory then states that perhaps, perhaps people who are ADD, ADHD, which is 10 to 15% of the population, depending on where you are in the world, Mm -hmm. uh, these are hunters. These are, we are people that had, have this gene still in the gene pool, which of course it's still here. Uh, Then, and then the farmers are the ones that are people that are more able to get up and do the same thing day in, day out. And that is the majority. And so when a hunter tries to put himself in her or herself into a job that is, and we're talking about jobs because this is something we discussed before mm-hmm, the podcast. Absolutely. Um, when we try to do things that are not patterned in the way that we're usually patterned, that's when problems come up. And that's when shame and um, low self-confidence comes up because we're pushing ourselves into a position where it's not our natural tendency. So in a nutshell, then, that's how the hunter-farmer theory. So just to go back, so a good hunter would be distractible, be able to scan the horizon, look at many different things that could potentially happening in that moment, work in bursts, high intensity, hyper focus, and then relaxation. A lo- longer than normal point of relaxation. Because if you if you, you were good at a hunter, you would get bigger game, you'd come back and you wouldn't have to go on the hunt the next day. You'd have enough food for a couple of days. So farmers, completely different stable day in and day out can show up and be consistent day in and day out. So how this then plays out in our modern world, if this theory is true, is that um, hunters tend to be entrepreneurs, salespeople, musicians, artists. And to note the entrepreneurial piece, entrepreneurs tend to go in and they're really good at setting up a business. They're not usually the people that maintain the business. People then come in who are more of a farmer type that manage and keep the day-to-day. Otherwise, it's chaos. And I think we've all either worked with or have experienced mm-hmm. these kinds of work environments at some point or another or know of it. So, But here's the self-knowledge. If you understand these patterns, these resonate with you, one option is to try to make yourself like everybody else wherein, you know, taking medication and other things that kind of make you into a farmer or you utilize your creativity and your, the skills that you, you're innately wired to do. And you find ways to make that generate an income for you or to find a job that, that works within those confines. If we could for a second or a minute, as it may be, the shame point you brought up is interesting to me. So, in fact, when you said it, and every time you brought this up, honestly, it it gives me chills because it, it makes me look back to exactly when I felt that, but I didn't know why I was feeling that. And I think that's the catch-22 that some people may be resonating with is that is that feeling of of shame is that you're not quite sure why this job and I and I and I don't want to be so generic as to say job 
being the only place you feel like, hey, I don't fit. But every time you say that, and and we're when we're talking about hunter farmer theory, I literally picture, if you will, picture every stereotypical caveman you've ever seen on the hunt with the club, and back in the day, if you will. And literally every time you talk about this, I say, literally put that guy with the fur. He's dragging the animal behind him. Now literally put him at a desk. Put yeah. him in yeah, an exactly. office with closed windows yeah. and desk. Yeah. So if that resonates with you, there's a reason that resonates with you. And the shame is because you you may have not understood before you started getting on the discovery process of what's going on with me. Why am I different? And I don't want anybody to misunderstand at any point any egocentric way I'm coming off this. I'm not putting us above, below. This is just fact. This is who we are. And I think that's what I, not I think, I know that's what I resonated with Michael's book and this whole book and this whole journey and everything Michael talks about in his coaching as well is that it's the acceptance of this is who we are. It's not above. It's not below. It is who we are. And so if you come to that realization, that's actually the first step of this. And yes, this is like any other program, if you will, for terms of a better word, you may have heard. There are steps in here. And I know for me, again, just being transparent, one of my first steps, and even going to Michael, even saying, I think I need help, is, is just like any other thing, is realizing, aha, I've been the caveman all these years, put at the desk, I need help getting out and getting back into the wild. And, the, I, and, I, and I think that's the shame part that, that, that come, <clears throat> resonates is because you're sitting there at that desk frustrated, yeah. feeling absolutely like something is not right, but yet I have to do this. And I think that's at least for me where the shame has come in. I don't know what your experience is with people you've coached. Yeah, that's, you know, and I was thinking about, there's a quote in the book that there's a, a song by Greg Brown, who's a kind of a folk singer. Mm-hmm. And he, and he was talking about these different people in, in history. And he was talking about, uh, there was, he was referencing the old, the old Elvis where he had gotten fat and he got through it. <laughs> That's right. and, and in the song, he uses the term, he says, he's a jaguar lost in a living room. Mm. See what he has done. There it is. And I thought, That's it. That's it. That's exactly it. I mean, he lost, when you lose touch with that piece that gives you life and vitality, which is when he would, you know, he, when he was at his, his peak, then everything falls apart. And so it, it's not just a, it, it applies no matter how old you are from, from whether you're young, you know, going through school, middle years working, and then even into retirement, it's like you, you don't change at that point. And so this is where depression creeps in. If we're not on top of it, addiction. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the, the whole point of this is, Going back to ADD, as a, and this is the point that I push really hard, is ADD, ADHD as a neurological type and not a disorder. That, that these are challenges, but when we look at it in terms of the hunter-farmer theory and think of it as, as hunter types, then it gives us a sense of like, well, here's what we have to contribute to society, which is a lot, which is artistry, which is creativity, which is a tendency towards mastering something that we're really engaged in. These are the things that we contribute to. And and there are millions of people that have risen to great success wired this way. In fact, it is often a, a common trait, especially people who carve new ground in 
whatever their field is, if you start to look at their tendencies and especially their personal life, you read their biographies, they're all hunter types. So many mm-hmm. of them, especially if they're cutting new ground and they're, they're coming from a totally different angle. And here's the piece. If we're hunter types and we're distractible and we explore all these different things, this is the, the it's because we're needing that juice, that thing to mm-hmm. inspire us, to give us to the next piece. When you've accumulated all this varied wisdom from all these different pieces that you've been quote unquote distracted by, if you can coalesce those into something new, that is the result of creativity. Creativity is putting things together that have never been put together before. And so this distractibility piece is what makes us, potentially makes us very creative. But if we are not taking care of ourselves, if we're not eating right, going back to what we talked about last time, Mm -hmm. if we are not nurturing um, physiologically through exercise and our diet, which we are hypersensitive to, then we'll never reach that point. We're always going to be struggling and we may self-medicate, we may get lost in addiction, or we just may feel fuzzy all the time. And so I think that's a re- that's just to put um, an exclamation point behind how important this is. When you understand this theory and how you can integrate it into your day-to-day life, life can change dramatically because you're no longer pushing against your natural. And you're also maybe not labeling yourself with a quote-unquote disorder, which can take you away from your natural genius. I want to touch on a couple of points that are just always will continue to be fascinating for me. But for those who may be new on this journey and realizing who they are, again, we're focusing today on this hunter-farmer theory. And it is a theory, but it's a theory that, as Michael said in the beginning, he didn't invent this. He researched this, and it's the basis of how he, in his experience, in his coaching, his, his life coaching in this capacity... I want to emphasize that a couple of things Michael said. One is our whole goal here in all of us being in this together is to get through this and to work towards the strengths of being this way and not rely on medication and and medicine. And maybe you're one of these people who realize this is something you have and thought that medicine was the way and now you feel you're even in a worse situation because you're on medicine for this. Michael's book, I want to emphasize for those who may be thinking of this for a family member or a friend, we can get through this without medicine. This is about adapting to, again, think of the caveman and the journey Michael's going to take you through this book and this program is how to get back and work towards the strengths of being a caveman, which means adapting to the strengths that come. And I want to talk about the strengths for a second. So You've mentioned a few times today, distractibility, impulsivity, Mm -hmm. which is why also you and I both are artists. We're both musicians. And this is a point you brought up, which is why a lot of artists and musicians, we're not putting people in a group, but we all know, Mm -hmm. like you said, innovators. And we can talk about scientists too, Albert Einstein, right? Failed out of school completely because he could not focus. Yes. And why could he not focus? Because that is not where a caveman is at his best. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that why? Hunter, and also I want to specify, it's yeah. men and women. So Absolutely. I think we need to, to broaden that out because there, even back in the day, 
hunters were women as well. Exactly. Absolutely. So that we have to, I want to make sure, I mean, we are both coming from a male perspective. Absolutely. And I, there's a lot of really good uh, material out there for women. We're speaking from our own experience. I've definitely awesome. worked and coached women mm-hmm. at, who are classic hunter types. And so I want to just be mindful in terms of our, our verbiage that we are inclusive because and I'm, I'm really encouraging more and more women to connect in with this podcast, offer experiences so that we can contribute and gain that perspective. But I, we are both men and we are coming from our own personal perspective. <laughs> right, right. So. Absolutely. Great point. So is, is that because the, the word, uh, in, in the book, you mention a lot, I mean, you have, I love this one subchapter in chapter two, lost in a farmer's world. So in the beginning, we were talking about the job world and feeling like I don't belong here, but this goes for schooling too of hunter types, doesn't it? Is this why school is sometimes a challenge? The traditional type of schooling, the traditional type of education, long-term yeah. projects, Sitting in a class for an hour and a half, is, yes. is this part of being lost in a farmer's world? Yeah, well, definitely. And I think that's really close to a, a term that um, uh, Tom Hart, I just really want to give him credit because I mean, so much came out of his, his books. Mm-hmm. So um, I just want to give him credit for that. So that, that was a perspective that he originally brought in. Um, yes. So, I mean, ADD, ADHD, the term came out of children. It, it was born out of children having a challenging time in school. And um, where I think Montessori and uh, charter schools to a degree, depending on how they're run, um, experiential learning is much more effective for us. Mm-hmm. Now, I went 12 years Catholic school, which was <laughs> the complete opposite of that. <laughs> so we all got a That's muscle. A farmer th- school, right? I well, mean, if it, you were to put it most in schooling the- is. Most yeah. schooling is very day in and day out. And, you know, I, had, I got a successful, I think I was at my peak, I was at a three, three <laughs> oh. So, but I muscled through, I'm grateful for the education. So everyone's got, I mean, I can look at this and go, well, there's the perfect. And then there's what everyone, then there's what you have to, to navigate. So this is why medication has become so prevalent is because it does work to, to the degree that it, it will help kids focus and make it through. And, and the other point I want to make here is I'm not saying all medication is bad, never use it. What I'm saying is there's not enough information about how to do it without medication. Exactly. That's the point that, that we're trying to get to Absolutely. here. Everyone's going to make their own decisions and I'm not railing against medication, but I do feel that there is not enough information about how to do it without. And also all this information regardless is going to be helpful to you even if you are using small doses of meditation medication to get you going and meditation, meditation we should talk better. about it that's the kind too. of medication you need yeah. yeah so it and again i think there's a lot of information out there for kids on add adhd tons of information the fine gold gut diet is fine gold f e i n g o l d you can google it online is a very good resource for um children and diet and how to manage it and but it's for adults. There's a gaping hole, I think, in how and mm-hmm. how to work with this. Well, it's almost. I. It's funny. It seems to be the the topic of the day. This comes back to the shame thing. I think almost. If you're a kid, you're indistractable, and there's school troubles, and there's processes for that. If you're starting thirty two years old at a desk and, and yeah. not re- understanding what's going on, 
that's where the shame comes because you're like, I'm an adult. I'm, yes. I'm at my work. I'm at a desk and this is what I do and I'm bringing home the bacon. And uh, and I think that's that's where the shame shame comes in is is even more for adults. That's why this yeah. is more difficult for adults. And I think that's why you're here yeah. is, is that as an adult, you're not supposed to be struggling with be doing the things that an adult does, which is you go to work, you go to your desk job, you work 40, 50 hours a week and you come home and that's it. And I, and I know, again, being transparent, till I discovered what has been going on with me, this was my biggest struggle is, and you can, you can quote unquote blame or at least say, well, it's just the culture. It's yeah. the, you know, Eastern way. It's, you know, you've come to America and uh, you should appreciate what you have and everything this country gives to you. So then you have all these noises in your head. Yeah. So of course you're going to feel like, but this is not me. Yeah. I want to touch on to close today because it's come up and I think we would be only doing due diligence to kind of close on the hunter farmer theory on addiction. Mm -hmm. You've brought it up a few times. It's in your book a lot. Talk to us about why in the hunter farmer theory mm -hmm. addiction is such a big part of what happens yeah. to a hunter and there's, It's it's a it's a big broad term addiction. It can be mm -hmm. to, to lots of things, and you've talked about it in your book that it can uh, and in your lectures about whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs. But mm -hmm. you've also talked about things that are not necessarily things you ingest. That just the in addiction of 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 being of the serotonin of the of the up feeling that a hunter gets and is always after. So just talk to us a little bit on that point. Yeah. And this is definitely something we'll spend a whole podcast on Absolutely. the brain chemistry of this. Um, and dopamine is, is usually, I mean, primarily what it comes down to from all the research that I did, I spent four years on this book and looked over all the, the science and in a lot of the addiction sciences where I ended up really studying because there, there's a lot of brain research in addiction science that really That that I was just basically took it over and brought it into the ADD because there's so many overlaps. Uh, we have in our brain less dopamine receptors. That's a big piece of it. And dopamine affects focus, motivation, learning, and it's also well-being. It gives you like a it, well-being with a small W, whereas serotonin is sort of the big overall normalizing sense of well-being and so do, because we require more dopamine to be so you can think of farmers being normalized in their dopamine levels so that it makes it so they have like a ability to be consistent and and focus on things on a rate whereas us hunters have less dopamine receptors and we see we need more dopamine to get to that place. Mm -hmm. And so it creates this, um, how would I, I've, I've thought about this before, even after reading the book, it creates a, a, um, a desire mm -hmm. and, and a draw towards stimulation because the stimulation gives that dopamine boost. It doesn't create dopamine, but it, it releases dopamine. And so it's this lacking, this almost feeling of like restlessness. Mm -hmm. That would have made us good hunters because it would, we would be like, oh, I got to go on the hunt. I got to do it. That burn would have made us good hunters. And so now in our society, we have these chemicals. We'll, we'll talk about chemicals first that can give huge releases of dopamine. So anything pretty much that you can get addicted to 
connects to dopamine. That is, there's a, a, a piece called the dopamine hypothesis that states that basically all addiction wraps around dopamine in some way. So for us, if we're low in dopamine, we're, we're low in dopamine receptors, things that come into our life, in, in speaking in terms of substances first, cocaine, hyper, like it's basically a plant product mm-hmm. that has, uh, that's not natural in the environment, not at that level. And so our brain clicks in and goes, oh, wow, this is important. This is really going to make us a, a, like a more successful person. It goes, happens at a very deep level of our brain. A more successful hunter. That's what it's, it, it's tapping into. Exactly. Right? It may, it, somehow it's connected to survival. And so the brain then starts to create a higher and higher priority for this substance. Mm. And specifically when there's stress, mm-hmm. then dopamine is what brings the stress down. The cortisol levels goes up. And when you have something that is lowering the stress, giving you a dopamine hit, that's something that over time, if you keep going through that pattern over, that's addiction. That's Amazing. how addiction happens. And it could be, but it can also be food, especially hyper sugary foods and carbs. Mm-hmm. Again, all things that were not natural in our environment. And so our bodies have not evolved to process these, these things. It's, we just, we haven't been on earth long enough. These cycles take long, long periods of time. And so f- in the fifties is when the modern diet showed up where we have hyper amounts of sugar, things that were never normal in our dietary mm-hmm. landscape. It just, they weren't there. Now they're there. And so whether it's an ad- addictive drug or if it's food, but also there's sex, sex addiction could be in there. It's mm-hmm. the, again, that hyper dopamine rush some people that anything you can become addicted to connects with dopamine and we as hunter types are much more open and in able to become addicted than someone who's more of a farmer type and you could this is if you just think about that and you start to look at people's lives who would be considered classic hunter types look at how many are are, have challenges with addiction i have to i have to tell you if for anyone else that if a light bulb just went on for you, it has in the past, but now I really have made the connection as Michael was talking, any athletic superstar, comedian, entertainer, what is the one thing you've always heard from them in interviews? I would have never made it if I was at a desk job or if I had a day job, Mm -hmm. this is what I was built for. And then lo and behold, it's these high profile superstar athletes, entertainers, comedians, actresses, Tell me if eight out of 10 of them at some point in their life, it doesn't make them bad people, not judging them. You haven't heard some story about addiction. You haven't heard of some story of them going to rehab for something. Mm -hmm. And it's literally, I mean, put the two pieces together. Everything you just mentioned of these people, tell me one you don't know that's gone either for food addiction. We've certainly heard our more than share of sex addiction. Um, Drugs, alcohol, you name it. Now, some went over the edge, right? Yeah. They didn't make it. They died. The, 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 the hunter part of them overindulged on this need for this. Mm-hmm. Others realized, hey, I have a problem and I'm going to do something about it. But it's amazing what this is, is look at the line of people who went into the line of work they did because they're hunters and yes. yet because they are, the stardom or whatever it was, even that wasn't enough. And so we begin the cycle. Exactly. And so this is where the 
where I think, and again, this is what motivated me to keep going on this book and complete mm-hmm. it, is when you start to address dietary, diet, exercise, and you're fully aware of like, these are my tendencies, then you can make some, some headways. And again, we'll talk again, we'll talk a whole, we'll do one podcast just on addiction. Absolutely. And specifically, I want to note the work of Julia Ross. She wrote a book called The Mood Cure, and she has been working in addiction for a long time and she's identified amino acid therapy and um, changes in diet as prime support for getting people out of addiction. And um, a lot of it, I referenced her quite a bit in the book. And uh, if you're interested, definitely this book, Drummer in the Great Mountain covers it, but also if you can pick up Julia Ross's book, uh, The Mood Cure, there's ample amounts of very good information about how, if you are struggling with addiction right now, and you're going into rehab, and which is extremely important to do rehab work, but also addressing the dietary issue, addressing the exercising, and also the support offered in this book will give you pieces in terms of your day-to-day planning and getting the support you need so that the stress doesn't get you, keep getting you to go back to the addictive cycle over and over and over again. Beautifully said. Michael, thank you once again for joining us. Thank you for being here. We have today in today's podcast of the Drummer and Great Mountain covered the hunter-farmer theory. Inevitably, all these things are related. So we touched a little bit on addiction today, which we're going to get into, as Michael has said now. Definitely look forward to a whole podcast just focused on that. And then we're going to start really progressing exactly through the book and start talking about life visioning, talking about Michael taking you through, okay, We know what we are. We know what it is we've been struggling with this whole time. What do we, in the natural and healthy way, do about it? So we look forward to sharing more of that with you on this podcast of The Drummer and the Great Mountain. Thank you once again, Michael, for everything you have done. We look forward to speaking with you again on this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is intended solely for the purpose of personal growth and not as a replacement for professional psychological support. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests of this show are not meant to be taken as medical advice. It is very important to seek the help of a qualified medical practitioner when making any shifts to psychiatric medication you may be taking, or if you are experiencing extreme psychological distress.